Well, good morning again, church. Uh, if you would, please turn open to Psalm 68. There will be several scriptures that we'll look at today in terms of uh, understanding a particular call for a particular segment of the body of Christ that uh, is often, often curious, often neglected. Today we are going to address the call to singleness in the body of Christ. And maybe things are happening in your mind and filling in blanks. I hope with Scripture uh, to be able to give us a theology this morning, a theology of singleness that's not just, hey, singles, hang in there. Uh, It's more for the church to open our arms wide to singles. So there's, there's a double... Double application this morning. Psalm 68, we are going to read uh, verses 4, the first part of verse 6. The word of God says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. Father, help us as a church recognize uh, all of us are called. All of us as the church are called to embrace those that you bring to us and embrace those that are single. So they find a home with us. Pray, Lord, that that would be the effect of the preached word today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember the game Old Maid? Nobody ever, ever, ever wanted to be stuck with that last card, right? But think of the game. You're pairing everything up except this one old maid. And I know, and father of a few daughters, I know they are terrified to grow up and have the old maid be the reality of their lives. They want to be married. We hope for them to be married. But we oftentimes look at singleness as something that needs to be fixed rather than understanding how to embrace the season that God has someone in. Now that season could be a short season before marriage or that season could be longer, could be a season after marriage. I think this is what the Lord would want to to reorder our perspective on this topic. Singleness is easily overlooked in the church. Uh, We look at somebody who's single and think, well, what do we need to do to make you uh, available and and pair you up? And I I, I can introduce you to somebody that I know, uh, and let's just try to make that work. Or maybe it's you look at somebody and think, yeah, I know why you're single. We're not going to address that at all. But either way, it's a problem that needs to be fixed. Don't be like, oh, Jeff, that was rude. You know you think it. Come on. You look at somebody and realize, "Uh uh-huh, God needs to do some work in there and make you available. Mm -hmm." (laughs) Look, as a church, you're laughing because you know it's true. As a church, we want to embrace singles. And 
be a part of their unique blessing as they operate in their gift of singleness. Now in scripture, if we look at the Old Testament view on singleness, the Old Testament view is that singleness was undesirable. And there were provisions within the ceremony or or the, the civil law of the Old Testament, there were provisions that if somebody was single, here's what you did with their land. You had to actually go to the nearest relative stuff. It was undesirable, and that was because of how the inheritance was passed along. God promised his people in the Old Testament of an inheritance of land, the promised land. So there was a singleness was not desired because the perpetuation of the land, the perpetuation of the inheritance was in view. But in the New Testament, we have Jesus and the Apostle Paul giving a very different view on singleness. And that is, they looked at it as advantageous. Where the Old Testament was undesirable, in the New Testament, it's advantageous for fruitful service. Because why? The, the inheritance has changed. In the Old Testament, the inheritance was land. In the New Testament, the inheritance is God. It's a spiritual inheritance. It's God himself in heaven that we await and we long for. And also what's in spiritual inheritance is the souls that are promised because of our covenant faithfulness. The land was promised in the Old Testament because of uh, covenantal faithfulness. There is the promise to be fruitful and multiply so you can keep your inheritance in the family. and, And the families extend to be able to keep that inheritance going. God gave us this, let's keep it. In the New Testament, the emphasis is on the spiritual inheritance of souls. So today, our our big point, singleness is a signpost of heaven calling the body of Christ to devotion to the Lord. So think about it. Singleness is a signpost of heaven. When we look at singles, we see a reality of heaven in their lives. And it should prompt us and encourage us and, and provoke us into a greater devotion with the Lord himself. So three Three little captions to help us. Singleness that blesses, singleness that satisfies, and then singleness that shines. In the blessing portion, here's where we're going to look at a few different scriptures. I've provided them in the notes. If you are fast with the, the sword drills looking for a scripture, you can go to 1 Corinthians 7 because we'll be there for a couple moments. A singleness that blesses also, it looks as singleness as truly a gift, The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. The Apostle Paul was single. And he says, I wish that they were all, I wish everybody, every believer was like I am. Because we're going to learn in a moment, because of, of a fruitful and an advantageous fruitful service in terms of relationships and in terms of devotion to the Lord. But he says to each one his own gift from God. Now I want to highlight this. One of one kind, one of another. Marriage is a gift. Singleness is also a gift. Both marriage and singleness are gifts that point to Christ's love for the church. As we've been looking the past several weeks at husbands and wives, uh, marriage points to Christ's love for his bride, while singleness displays our standing with Christ. 
as co-heirs. We look at a married couple, we, under, we should be seeing God's love for his bride and his bride's response to him. But we look at a single person in Christ and we recognize you're a co-heir. You're, you're standing with Christ in a way that prompts me to love Jesus even more. Singleness is a gift. Even though we think, we feel that singleness is a curse. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And the gift of singleness is not some weird superpower to cope with loneliness. Because that's usually how... I mean, you have the gift of singleness? That's great, because I know I could never, ever have that gift. I wouldn't be able to cope. It's so lonely. No, it's not a superpower. God really does give it as a gift to understand who He is. Singleness, singleness has its ups and downs. Just like marriages have their ups and downs. Now, here's what happens. Singles in their down moments will look to the married up moments and think, if I just had that, my life would be sufficient and satisfying. Now, the temptation for married people is to say, in the marriage lows, we look at the single highs and say, man, if I was just single, didn't have all this baggage around, I'd be better. Both are, tempt- both are wrong temptations. Well, every temptation is wrong. It's wrong to give in to those thoughts because even in our imagination, we begin to uh, create a a, a scenario to alleviate what's going on in our lives rather than trust Jesus because that's what helps us get through ups and downs. We can't compare singleness and marriage. We're not supposed to. But singleness is a gift that God gives. It's not a gift (laughs) that in the white elephant game you got stuck with that Christmas, man, I knew I shouldn't have picked first or, or last was the last one. Is the, you pick first, you get the last pick. Is that right? You're stuck with, I have this weird-shaped mug. That's what I have in my life. Okay. Now, singleness is not to be treated that way. And church, we are not to treat singleness that way. We are to see it as a gift that is given from what James 1 says, every gift comes from down from the Father of lights of whom there is no change or shifting. God doesn't give a gift and then change the parameter to use that gift. He gives the gift to bless his people and bless his church. And that's why there's a huge blessing in singleness. 1 Corinthians 7, 32-35, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay, excuse me, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. The gift of singleness provides the opportunity of a devotion that all of us long for. Now, we have to provide some clarifying thoughts because people can read this, and I've had conversations with people that read 1 Corinthians 7, and they think, well, if I get married, then I'm less spiritual. I'm actually not a strong Christian because I need somebody to be married to. That's not what Paul is saying. Marriage is not less spiritual than singleness. What Paul is saying is marriage is way more complex than singleness. Singleness offers a freedom from the time complexities, 
from relational complexities, from constraints, time constraints, in order to free that individual for fruitful service in the kingdom of God. It's a blessing. Then, amazingly, in Isaiah 56, see, we think the Old Testament only says one thing. And then you find these nuggets where God says, hey, I'm thinking about the singles. In Isaiah 56, he actually promises a better name. This is wild. Discovered this, had not put this. I don't know how many times I've read Isaiah 56 and had not understood what God was saying until this week in my preparation came across it and I said, wow, so be wild with me. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now we look to that word eunuch and we think that's, nobody wants to be a eunuch. Nobody wants to be forced into uh, a servitude. Nobody wants to have the, the desire, the desire for family completely cut off, physically cut off to you. It's never something that you can look towards. But he's, God is saying this to the eunuchs, to those who are single, who keep my Sabbaths, who obey me, and they choose the things that please me, and they hold fast my covenant, I consider them, and I'll give them a monument and a name that is better than sons and daughters. What in the world is better than son of God or daughter of God? That's what captures me. He says, what is that? It's better? It's a better name? A better blessing, perhaps? Now, Eunuchs were those who were prevented from procreation in order to ensure devotion. Kings would make men eunuchs to serve in their courts and they would remove any, temp any, any physical ability to uh, have a divided devotion, to, to go off and wander. It was a way to secure devotion. And then when Jesus, he brings up eunuchs and he says it, he uses it in a very unique way. I think he had, I think he had Isaiah 56 in mind. Now, as, let me get you up to speed with the portion before you have in your notes. Matthew 19, 3 through 12. But the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then, why then did Moses command one to give a, a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for se sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And then he adds this. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. There are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So capture what's happening. The disciples recognize marriage is hard. 
and it's difficult. And you get married to somebody and then you recognize whether it's quickly after marriage or maybe after 35 years of marriage, you recognize we're not the same people and this is hard. The disciples recognize that's hard. And Jesus, he doesn't disagree with them. He says, you're hearing me. You're hearing me correctly. Better not to marry. He says, not everyone can receive this saying, but those to whom it is given. Jesus agreed with the disciples that marriage was hard and those who fully devote themselves to the kingdom are rare. Now, there are two types of singleness. Those, he brings that out with eunuchs. And, and, and just for the sake of clarity, this is not physically making self one a eunuch for the kingdom of God. This is figurative language that Jesus is, is using. There's two types of singleness. There's voluntary singleness. There's involuntary singleness. Involuntary singleness comes from widowhood or divorce. Now, involuntary singleness is still a gift and a blessing. Voluntary singleness is still a gift and a blessing. So if you are single, it is your gift to bless you in your life. And you are blessed with a name that is better than sons and daughters. I hope that helps us recognize that when we, when we describe singleness, we don't trail off in our voice, oh, they're single. Because that, that gives this weird, they're less than. But no, if we recognize, no, they're single, we are able to let, them, let everybody know, oh, they have the opportunity for fruitful service. And there's a devotion that we see them having and that we, we are prompted in saying, I want to love Jesus like that. <clears throat> I'm going to get to the, I want to charge the singles, but that's, Point three. <laughs> now, let's look at the second one. Singleness that satisfies. Uh, it can easily be seen that singles don't have the intimacy that married couples have, and so that's the lack. Uh, a pastor in England, Sam Alberry, he wrote a book called Seven Myths About Singleness. Excellent, excellent resource. He's a single man himself. And he, I drew a lot of this thought from him because uh, my eyes were opened uh, to where he's saying, no, intimacy for singles is just as real and just as attainable in the body of Christ for singles and marrieds. Now, we tend to think that the highest attainable form of intimacy is physical and sexual. So we think uh, when you get married or in your relationship to really seal the intimacy, we say, oh, then it needs to go all the way to sex. But that's a worldly concept because if it was true, if, if we were incomplete, if we didn't have intimacy unless we had sex, then prostitutes would be the happiest people on the earth. They don't have intimacy. Now, the fault in our thinking is the misunderstanding of sexual intimacy. Physical intimacy is the expression in a marriage. Physical intimacy is the expression of an emotional intimacy. An intimacy that satisfies the soul is attainable for singles who trust in Christ. And friendship is the key. Friendship is the goal. Friendship is knowing the soul and, and, and being 
being single, being married, you had the capacity, singleness, you have the capacity for many friendships. Not just companions, you know, uh, social media has turned... Turn the word friend into a verb. I friended you or I unfriended you. But that really deals with what the Bible talks about as companions. A man of many companions will come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So there's a, there's a distinction in Scripture that friend is really, really tight. That's intimacy. That friendship is intimate. Sam Alberry says this, It is possible to have a lot of intimacy in life and for none of it to be sexual. Sexual and romantic relationships are not the only ones of genuine life-giving closeness. We need to rediscover a biblical category of intimacy that has been neglected in our cultural context and sadly even in many of our churches. Friendship. Now, in that intimacy is a wholeness. There's a wholeness. And please remember, Jesus was single his entire life on this earth. And he never at once was less than because he didn't have a romantic sexual relationship. He was single and he had unbroken, wholehearted intimacy with his father. Singles, your relationship with Christ is your ultimate relationship on this earth. And then the satisfying aspect of singles is when they find a home. And we read that in Psalm 68.6. God settles the solitary in a home. He settles the single in a home. The temptation for singles is to retreat from all relationships rather than engaging with them then the church is to provide the context for your greatest relationships to express your gift of singleness. Please don't isolate yourself by giving into the the temptation that you are unwanted or unneeded. You are very needed. So church, I charge you, open your heart and your home to singles in this church. And singles, put yourselves in homes to serve. Sam Alberry gave this example that he, with his, uh, with his married friends and their families, he will put himself in their context in order to serve, meaning he goes over for dinner or to spend some time and he looks for a chore to do. That's very, very helpful. Because he knows if he's just thinking his own thoughts all the time, he, he actually will not serve. So he puts himself in a family setting to be able to say, what are the needs that need to be addressed and how do I fit in this family to help address those needs? Very helpful, very practical ways to be in a home. Now, here's the charge, singleness that shines. And the charge is to build. Singles are to grow a spiritual family by discipling others. Singles are to bear children for the kingdom of God. Not to only look at, well, uh, if I'm married, then my life really counts. Then then, uh, uh, spirituality really kicks into high gear. No, we don't see that from Scripture. We actually see when you're single, you have a capacity for greater fruitfulness than a married man or a married woman. And it doesn't have to be a lonely experience. There are ups, there are downs, but everybody's got those. So be a father and a mother to those in the household of God 
without ever, ever getting married. So if you're single right now, that's your gift. Remember, it could be for a season, it could be for longer. But it's not, a, it's not a, the opportunity or the excuse to wait around for something better. This, this is what God has for you. Walk in it. The family of God grows through regeneration, not procreation. And that's where singles have a wonderful, wonderful gift. So singles, use your gift to build the church. Be the honorary uncle and aunt and brother and sister and cousin and grandparent. Be the honorary family member. Growing up around here, we usually have somebody in our lives, in our families, that we call aunt or uncle, and they're not blood relatives. That's what it's like. We, we need to do that in the church. We need to feel, our kids need to feel they are family with us. Even though they don't have their own married family. No, they're with us. We call them aunt, call them uncle, brother or sister, cousin. And church, I would, to the married church, please do not disqualify a single in your life because they don't know what you're going through. That's pride. We, we, we cut off wisdom in our lives when we think we need to find somebody that's gone through something exactly like we've gone through it. What we need is somebody who knows this word really, really well. And when we're going through something, we look to that word because they're looking to that word and they say, hey, here's the scripture we need to focus on. That single person can say, I don't know what you're going through. I, I, know, I know God and that's our greatest need. In our, in our down moments, we need to see Jesus as greater than anything. And we need single people in our lives who are true enough friends to be able to say, you're not looking at Jesus too much. Let's focus on him again. And that's building, the, that's building the church. It's building Christ, uh, building the church into Christ. And that's the function. That's the goal. So singles, build and build well. Uh, and I would, I, I would finish with this for all of us, that heaven is ahead of us. And singles, you're not alone because heaven is filled with singles. There's no marriage in heaven. And that's what Jesus taught uh, when they came asking. All right, this guy had, uh, according to the Leverite marriage, this guy had, and um, that wife got passed on to seven different men. So who's, whose spouse is she going to be? Whose wife is she going to be in heaven? He says, you don't know the scriptures. You know, they're going to be like angels in heaven. Nobody's going to be married. See, marriage falls off. Do you know what continues in heaven? Friendship. Friendship continues. I don't know if I'm going to be able to nag my wife, tease her like I do now, because I say, I'm going to, if we're not living together, I'm going to live right next to her. And she, she'll, be, she'll have a glorified body and mind, so she's not going to be irritated by my little things. But we have fun. We have a lot of fun. But I have every reason to believe my friendship with my spouse, with my wife, is going to continue to grow in heaven. It's not going to be taken away. When I was in high school, I literally many times asked the Lord, Jesus, please don't come back until I have an opportunity to get married and have kids. Now, it's not easy for me to say because I'm married and have a lot of kids. Now, like, you know what? I just missed. No, but I did come to a place in college that I said, 
Lord, if it's me and you, I'm cool with that. Because there was a season of my life that I just, I knew God so intimately. And it's built on, it's not gone away. But in that moment in my life, I think it was my second, in between my second and third year of college, and I just thought, God, I just love being with you. I was enjoying the friendships that I had. And I really, I think in that moment, not, not recognizing what I was doing or using the right words, I was surrendering marriage to the Lord. I said, God, if it's me and you, that's cool. That's cool. But all of us should be looking. All of us should be yearning for heaven. And we should be looking, please, singles, feel, feel the, the urge to be so satisfied in Christ that you are now providing the example for us to be satisfied in Christ because we, you are our signpost to be able to look at heaven and say, oh, with that type of devotion, that's what heaven's like. I want to experience that now. I want some of that devotion now. But as a church, we, we're a home and we're, we're blended and we're joined together for his glory our good. Father, please help us understand you better by walking out the roles that you've called us to walk, by walking out those roles by faith. Lord, your promise is that uh, it's impossible to please you unless we come to you and believe you. And to believe that you exist, you're there for us, and that you reward those believe you. So Lord, we ask for a reward. We ask God for every single person in our church to feel home. We ask for friendships to flourish. God, we ask that you would highlight the glory of your son in every single person in this church. And may they be settled in our home. Thank you.